Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, friends and family? Thank you for joining Bobby, Jean, and I for the Wake Before the Day podcast. We're continuing to work our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and today we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, Bobby, let you kick things off and start it. <laughs> Paul's going to continue to talk about love and kind of unity mm-hmm. and the same themes that he's been talking about in 1 Corinthians, but now it's going to take a little bit of a turn and he uses this word apostle, and he's kind of trying to help people understand, you know, how there's um, there's people who are being sent out and how there's things that from the church that they need for support and what that looks like now that the church is actually up and going. Yeah. Um, another thing that Paul is saying is he's going to let everyone know, like, not uh, I, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm an apostle, but this is my resume. So out of everyone, yeah. I should really have the right to, mm-hmm. you know, tell you my credentials and kind of like put you in your place. Because it seems like when he bumps into some of these churches, they're mm-hmm. looking at him going, why should we listen to you? What authority yes. do you have? Are you legitimate? And Paul right here to kick things off is like, let me drop it. My yes. resume, so I can just explain to you why I'm who Even I though am. I don't want to well, do I'm it. I'm the boss. Life. I don't want to do it, but here you <laughs> yeah. go. Here it is. So that's it. So that's where it kicks off. So I'll go ahead and read that, the first couple of verses here. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result mm. of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Mm. And so... What is an apostle? I feel like that's a great place to start. Yeah. People debate this, but apostle simply means one who is sent out. Okay. So there are apostles who are sent out in the Bible times. You could say that we are, in a sense, uh, uh, there's an apostolic ministry today that we are sent out. However, we are very different than the first generation apostles in that our words aren't in the Bible. What distinction would you give between apostle and disciple? I feel like that was something that kind of, there was a distinction, especially in Jesus' ministry. Yeah. Disciple goes back to that root word discipline. Yeah. And it has to do with like the following of a leader or a, a teacher or yeah. a rabbi. Where apostleship is more of like, hey, you've been here. Now we're sending you out to the world okay. to yeah. teach them what we've taught you here. Yes. And so that's what we're getting there. There's the original 12, then mm-hmm. the 72 are sent out. Then you have the established early church. Yes. And they're still sent out ones. And so Paul explains that the workers now, right. as you're sending them out, they need to be taken care of. And uh, let me read the next couple of verses and I'll unpack it a little bit. Yeah. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? Lots of questions here. For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about the oxen that God's concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so with the hope of sharing in the harvest. And so this passage is getting Mm. at should people in ministry get paid? Should this be like a quote unquote job? Yeah. Multiple times throughout the Bible, the answer is, yeah, this is like a calling. Mm -hmm. This is why we take tithes and offerings. It's ultimately so the gospel can be preached and shared with the people out in the world. Yeah. But there needs to be organization and people who are devout. Um, devoting their whole time to this. Right. So when I came to Emmanuel as an intern back in 2011, what was interesting to enter into the internship program at that time, it's different now, you had to fundraise your your salary. Right, I remember. That was totally new to me. 
Because <laughs> I even like when my parents, when we would have like those things where you have to like sell candy at school or whatever. Yes. And, and a little bit of it is in me as well. It's like, hey, just write the check. Don't ask anybody for money. And then go, yeah. you know, turn it in. And I, I get that. But we had to do this Bible study on why asking for money for ministry is a good thing. And okay. at first I saw it and was like, why would I do mm. this? And then I realized I was uncomfortable asking people for money. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. It's like, why would I do this? Yeah. And so the people overseeing the program at the time put together a in-depth Bible study, a big fat packet of questions and responses mm. and scriptures and reflections going back to like, who is God and who's he calling us to be? And it was actually brilliant because that allowed my heart to get to a place of convincing where it's like, this is biblical. Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so in humility, you still go out and ask like, hey, would you mind supporting the ministry? Here's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. And you write support letters and all that. But it was so uncomfortable for a while. And then it got to a place of conviction and, and convincing that this is good and okay. Yeah. Um, because this is what, what Paul is essentially saying here. But now I'll, I'll turn it back to you. But as he transitions, he essentially goes, I have the right to do these things. Yeah. You should pay your church leaders to some extent. And I wasn't a burden to you in that way. Yeah. It's kind of what he gets at next. Yeah. That's, are you talking about verses 11 yeah. and 12 yeah. continued? Okay. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much to reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right to support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But did we, but we didn't use this right. On the contrary, we put up any. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. Mm. And so Paul's kind of saying like we, because in this time, if you think about it, it might like material giving is one thing, but it's also like them staying in their house. Yeah. Like them, it wasn't like it couldn't have necessarily been a church building all the time. Like it was probably like they were hosting it in their homes. They were great point. So then they're producing the materials for that. And Paul's saying like, we don't want to hinder the gospel in any way. So we're not even requesting, you know, we didn't even request this from you, but the truth is that this is still something that's a really good thing. Yeah. It's something that's needed. Like you said, where there's people who are doing this full time and, and it's interesting. We actually have people. Do you remember this from college that probably said, not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's true. <laughs> Where, you know, there's people who would go out and do the mission trips or do the short term or the long term um, stays. And then there were people who was really interesting to get to know. And I feel like I was kind of more of that person. Like, I want to go. And then there were some of our friends that were like, I don't feel called to go at all. Like the, the physical, like me going from this location to this location, I just don't have that. But you know what I do have is I want to give you money. Like I want to be the person. And so that was interesting because this person actually ended up going into like financial planning and that's what they do now for their life. Like they help families and legacies and those kind of things be built. And so you can just see that how Paul's actually speaking to multi, um, dimensions of the church saying like, we need each other. This is a good thing. This is something that, you know, we don't want to burden you. And at the same time, this is something we need to consider as we now like launch into really what was coming, like the era of the church after this, after the apostles. If you translate this to today, there's a lot of people vying for our money, whether it's universities or schools or scholarships or national parks, lots of good things. But at the end of the day, if you're a Christian, you have got to support your local church. Because that's where the vast majority of change comes from. Doesn't come yeah. from education. Doesn't come from political policies. A lot of mm-hmm. the 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 real change that happens happens in the day to day life 
of you being in community with the people you live by and see often. Yeah. And so as you give to the church right now, I can't remember what percentage of the church gives like the 10% marker. I think it's like 20 something percent. Right. That. It's low. Yeah. Don't quote me on that right now, but it's very low. And if it, what's so astonishing is to see how fruitful the church is. Yes. I can speak for Emmanuel specifically. You look at the after school program, you look at the Compton initiative, now block bright lights of Compton. Right. You have the, the healthcare ministry on, on Fridays, basketball ministry, mm-hmm. you have vacation Bible school. Then you have multiple ministries, whether it's for babies to grandparents, to couples, yeah. to men, to women, to young adults, to choir, mm-hmm. to Emmanuel school of the arts where t- kids are learning how to play guitar and sing and for play free. drums for free. Yeah. And that's because of people's generosity and them t- giving tithes and offerings. Yeah. And so some churches have abused money and that's where there has been uh, hurt. Yeah. Where if your church is doing its job, there's transparency and they're able to lay down the, the financial report anytime it's requested saying like, hey, here's where your money's going. Right. And, and even more so, look at the fruit. Yeah. Here's what's coming from it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. So as you keep going through the scriptures, I'll jump to like verses 15 and 16. Paul, again, is explaining that he has the right to ask for money. He should be getting paid mm-hmm. and he's withholding that right. He said, I have not used any of these rights and I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I'd rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. Since I am compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And so here mm-hmm. he's saying, I'm willing to inconvenience myself and be bi- bivocational, meaning yeah. he's a tent maker Monday to Friday, and then he's at the temple yeah. on the weekends telling everybody about Jesus. And he said, my love essentially for other people is more than my desire to be right and correct and get what I quote unquote deserve. Sure. And you see the fruit of his ministry. Yeah. One of the examples that comes to my mind is our, our late grandparents, Harold and Shirley Corver. When grandpa would do weddings and funerals for the last couple of decades, he would not take any of that money. Um, he would not take any of the honorarium. Sometimes he's driving hours to do some wedding out in the forest somewhere. Instead, he said, would you please take the money that you want to give to me yeah. and give it to the Leadership Development Fund? Right. And so he raised millions of dollars over the course of years so that people could go to seminary. Mm-hmm. People could be housed. People could be trained. And grandpa and grandma did that together. And it was with great joy. And and as they did that, it was it then gave grandpa the opportunity to say, hey, um, I gave this. Will you match me? Right. And then he pulled in other entrepreneurs and people who loved the church and cared for leadership development and spiritual formation. And that again, allowed people to participate in the kingdom work and allowed there to be, I don't know, 80 some interns that we have now. Yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. The creativity. Yeah. I think that's another thing that the new, like when you look at the early church of Acts and then at the new and upcoming churches that are, that Paul's writing to, where it's like, there's such untapped creativity because people have never been bound together in the name of Jesus before. Like that's always been about themselves. Or I think that's what another thing that's kind of percolating as you read Paul's writing and you sit in it alone, maybe at your table or in your car is like your own heart issue, whether it's giving or giving your time or money or whatever it is. I think that Paul's getting to that where he's saying like, I'm laying that down for myself. Like I'm laying down the right. Cause that's what I think comes is entitlement, right? You know, yeah. we've worked hard. This is ours. And then we remember who God is and how he's a generous God. And whether that's, you know, your number one, um, priority and reason for giving initially, hmm. I doubt it, but I think eventually, I think that's what it comes. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. through relationship and through community and through, um, through modeling through other people and you realizing, Oh, okay. Um, and then continued relationship, right. With a generous God. That's kind of where the, um, 
Yeah, where the origin of giving comes mm. from. Because Paul gets to that where he says, you know, this is what I have to do. Like it's in verses 17, 18. Like when he is saying, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trusted, the message trusted. Oh my goodness. The trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. Mm. And so make full use of my rights as a preacher in the gospel. So if you think about Paul, like he's someone that it's a, it's a non-negotiable, like it's not him deciding, um, I think I'm going to do this today. Like he is so convicted and sold out for the gospel. If you go all the way back to who he was before and who he is now yeah. and understand his story, that's really only because of the gospel. It's not because of anything else. And so if that's what he's saying, I'll do anything, yeah. whether you're paying me or not, whether like my reward is in Christ because who I am is I'm, I'm a slave, I'm a servant, I'm committed, I'm all in to this message, to the, tru- to the truth that's been trust entrusted to me. Yeah. And so that's kind of Paul's heart there. Yeah, there's understanding God's grace at a radical level. And then yeah. now Paul is saying, I've adapted without compromising the message mm-hmm. of the gospel. Paul adapts to meet people in the middle of their context. Right. He meets them in their circumstances. So this is what he says next. He says, though I'm free to belong to no one, I have always made myself a slave to everyone yeah. to win as many as, po- as possible. And then he says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win mm-hmm. the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. To those you know, not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Essentially, he's trying to figure out within the Jewish customs, how can I connect with you and speak in a way that you would understand? So yeah. he's quoting Exodus. He's quoting the Psalms. Right. And then he's going to the temple and, and, and he's talking to the Greek people. And he's talking about this, this God who has no name. And he's talking about logos and this mm. wisdom, the Sophia that's in the Greek you know, culture. He's using words that they understand. And he does this so that there's a connecting point. There's a there's an on-ramp to yeah. having conversations and speaking to people in a way that they will understand like what this is all about when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. And so he doesn't compromise the message ever. Right. But he speaks in a way that is um, digestible. Yeah. I was just laughing because I'm thinking back to seminary and there was this one professor, uh, Professor Brian. And he was a funny guy. He was a really cool guy. But I remember him coming up to me. He's like, so uh, what did you think of the game last night? And I'm like... <laughs> The, the basketball game, like the Lakers Celtics or whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, what did you think about like the score and stuff? And the way he was talking, I could tell like he was unsettled, but he was really trying to connect with me. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I opened up and was like, it's interesting. I'm not cheering for this team. I'm cheering for that team. And he's like, yeah, because your cousin, he plays in the NBA too, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And at the end, I'm like, do you watch basketball? He's like, nope, never have. <laughs> and I never will. And I was like, why are you asking me? He's like, well, because you care about it. So I figured I wanted to get to know you and maybe learn something about basketball. I never heard just dying laughing because the way he was talking, that's he's funny. like, so what'd you think about the, the score and the substitutions and this? I'm like, that's not how the people talk about basketball. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was it's a like, really great substitution. Clearly this is new, you know, waters for you. And so, but he wanted to connect with me yeah. and he loved me. He cared mm-hmm. about me and he's just a great guy. Yeah. And so again, what's being modeled here is self-denial and Paul's self-denial mm-hmm. represents Jesus, Jesus self-denial. Mm-hmm. And we do this without compromising our faith. And so the, the book kind of ends with these words. It says, do you not all know that you run a race that runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will not last, but we get it for a crown that will last forever. And so the Corinthians would have been totally tracking with Paul because they had these things called the Isthmian Games every two years. It'd be like the Olympics. People who have devoted their life and have like eaten certain foods and withheld from relationships, withheld Mm -hmm. from intimacy, only so like their bodies could be maxed out at its fullest potential to compete. He's like, look at what they're doing. 
Now think about this spiritually. Yeah. It's not about earning, but it's about effort and give God all that you have. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that picture also just like we we've talked about this in other areas too, whether it was parenting or um, the family class or marriage, where um, like the proverbs talk about that. We spent a whole month in that in August, where there is intention and there is um, there actually is like in your sacrifice, whether it's um, denial. I, I think that's like a really big picture with the um, Corinthians and the isthmus race or whatever you were saying Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we like bring it back to our reality and it's like well that doesn't seem like a big you know me waking up 15 minutes earlier to spend quiet time great example but it is like that is intentional that is like one small thing that's we can that we we okay lord like i'm doing this like not to self-indulge not to you know for whatever even things that are good not to get up and you know Mm -hmm. take a morning walk or workout but just to offer it back to you like those are small steps but um but huge steps in the kingdom. And so whatever that is for you, consider it spiritually. What does that look like for you, for your family, for you and your marriage? Maybe that means serving somewhere. Maybe that means giving, like Paul's talking about with the Corinthians. Um, Maybe it just means re-examining where you're at and actually like sitting in it for a minute in in honesty and truth with the Lord. Those holy habits and self-disciplines build that muscle and allow you to have a rhythm of life that is godly and good and encouraging, not only for yourself, but everybody else around you. Because again, if you read this within the context of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians. This church has been dominated by sexual morality and food that's been sacrificed to idols. Right. Food and sex. Are we any different today? Like we right. are not that much different. So mm-hmm. he's saying if you can run the race intentionally and put habits in your life that focus on Jesus, because the habits themselves don't change you. The Lord does. But what we're doing is we're making ourselves available to yes. the work of the Spirit. When we drive in the car, instead of rocking out to music, we turn it off and we pray for a little bit. Or yeah. whatever it is, you get up 15 minutes later to read the scriptures. So there's a lot of different things you can do, but uh, this is this is fun talking about. It you is know, fun. what this looks like and how it, it, the rubber meets the road for us here in in uh, 2023 or whenever you're listening to it. All right, so thanks for joining us today <laughs> in the studio. We'll be back with you tomorrow to unpack the next chapter of First Corinthians. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give Him His peace. Have a great day.